It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where we're here for you with ideas and ways for you to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Based on your feedback starting today, we have a new Clark Rave segment coming up in a little while, where we want to talk about the good things that people are doing in the midst of these difficult times. And coming up later, I want to tell you about some money that may well be coming in your wallet in the next couple of weeks from insurers. I'll tell you who's doing what and what to expect. Speaking of which, as you probably have heard, the stimulus checks have started their rollout, actually first with direct deposits, and these will go on, it looks like, till September, till everybody has received the helicopter money, the $1,200 per adult who income qualifies, and the $500 for each dependent, 16 and under. So a family of four that qualifies, that means 3400 bucks coming into your checking account sometime very soon. Individual, 1200 bucks, And the other thing is the $600 of federal unemployment compensation that has been in suspended animation state by state is starting to appear many states will start paying that money this week i think quite a few more next week and it's going to be a important relief for the huge numbers of perhaps maybe approaching 20 million people who are unemployed now in the united states there's a lot of disagreement among economists what the true number is but getting this money is a huge change for people who have been worried about where you're even going to buy food so this is good news but think about this we have such a mixed situation right here with the majority of americans uh overwhelming number still working at the same time, others, their work went off like a light switch. So what you do with the money that comes in over these weeks varies depending on your situation. An example of this is let's take a couple that one is unemployed now or underemployed, but the other, your job's still secure. It's actually a much more complicated thing what you do with the money coming in and you may with the unemployment compensation at least temporarily with the helicopter money have enough on hand to meet your bills if you do that's not complicated but if you don't and you start having to set priorities being logical about this who you pay what you pay and Start with making sure always you have enough food to eat. And then with your landlord or your mortgage company, if you did not pay your April rent or mortgage and with the money that comes in, you're able to pay that, that would be a logical next step. The third step in line is to keep your vehicle payments current if you're not current, they use this money to catch up. Now, let's say you live by yourself. You're tapped out broke. 
But now you're going to have $1,200 from the feds for helicopter money, stimulus money. And you may well have qualified for unemployment. You initially were getting your state small check, and now you get the federal overlay that makes it a more decent amount of money. You also set a pyramid, starting with highest priority, just as I laid out for a couple, but you may not have the resources they do with one still working. You're not going to. But you start thinking about communicating with people and paying what you can and knowing that the $600 a week, once it starts, goes on for four months from the feds for unemployment if you remain unemployed that long. The $1,200 for now is a one-time thing, although there may be in the fourth stimulus law additional helicopter money. But in the meantime, you don't go on the basis of who's hollering at you, where's my, where's my money? You make a list of the bills you have, and you make logical priorities. The lowest priority of all, any unsecured debt, credit cards, personal loans, anything like that, are low on the totem pole. Because the things you have to have to function and exist that's where your money goes. It goes to food, housing, vehicle. Now, people would put right in that mix utilities because you want to make sure that you don't have any utilities cut off, especially if you have a private water vendor. They're not under any of the restrictions of preventing shutoffs of water. Paying a water bill if you have a private water service would be a very high priority. Now let's deal with a different situation. Let's say you as an individual or as a couple, your jobs have continued, and for you, you're not going to have the unemployment, but you're going to have the helicopter money. So the question about the helicopter money is what do you do with it? I think you make it rainy day funds that your situation could change over the months, and that is the best priority, I would say. If you've got plenty of money in reserve, you've got your uh, rainy day money, then I'd say take that money and either A, put it into a Roth IRA for yourselves. We have to do an individual one for each. Or give it away to people you know in your family or friends or to a charity that are having a very, very difficult time. Now, we are answering your questions a different way for now, where you post for me at clark.com ask, and then producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions for you. And Kim, who do you have? This is from Jose. He wants to know if you receive an unemployment check any time during your working years, does that reduce or affect the amount you receive when you turn 65 and start collecting Social Security? No, it does not reduce your Social Security payments. So having the unemployment compensation should not affect you because, first of all, it's not going to be for a long term anyway. And the way Social Security is calculated, it really wouldn't make any 
meaningful impact, even if it was counted. Now, the other thing is that if you are older and you receive unemployment benefits, they don't push you into what's known as the earning ceiling for people 62 to 66. So getting unemployment benefits is really just a positive. The only potential negative is if they're taxed in your state, that would be an effect that would not be so positive. Joel? Clark, Jenny wrote in, she said, I should be receiving approximately $100,000 for the PPP, and I really want to make sure it's forgiven and I follow the rules. Is workman's comp insurance and payroll taxes considered payroll cost and thus eligible for the forgiveness? Also, what if I miscalculate the loan amount and I end up spending less than 75% of those funds on payroll? Will I have to pay all of the loan back? No, you. the, the thing with the 75% is that is full forgiveness of the loan. But it is not um, like it's zero credit if you don't hit the 75% threshold. So you will have, in a ratio, partial loan forgiveness if you get most of the way there but not all the way. But on the issue of what counts, so your rent counts as an eligible expense, payroll counts as an eligible expense, utilities count as an eligible expense, and my interpretation of what I've seen so far about what constitutes payroll, everything involved with payroll, including benefits coverage, counts towards the 75%. It's going to be a rare circumstance that someone will not hit the 75% threshold if you have a meaningful payroll. There are businesses where expenses are skewed another way. They may be very heavily skewed towards rent or mortgage for your business or other ancillary expenses that are not payroll. In that case, if you do have to pay back a portion of the money, the good news is that the interest rate is so, so, so cheap at 1% that it's essentially not free money at that point but almost a cost-free loan. How, no matter how you slice this, if you can actually get your PPP loan approved and funded, it's a very positive thing for you. Kim? Jason says, I was on contract to purchase a home in April. I put down a $5,000 down payment. And since the pandemic and the economic crisis, I have backed out of the contract. I've asked for my down payment back, and they've told me I will lose my down payment since I was already approved for the loan. Is there anything I can do? Unfortunately, unless there were conditions like getting approved for a loan and you could not get approved, the earnest money is there for the the seller to keep because they lost an opportunity potentially to sell the home to someone else. And that's why you lose that money. If you want to see if there's anything in your purchase contract that would change that answer, you could talk to a real estate lawyer. You'd have to pay him or her to review the contract, but it would cost you a lot less than $5,000, potentially just a few hundred to have the contract reviewed and give you uh, an opinion on whether or not there are conditions in your contract that would allow you to get back 
your earnest money. But as a blanket answer, as a general one, if you just chose not to close because of coronavirus, then the seller gets to keep your earnest money. This has been going on all over the country where buyers have chosen not to proceed with closing. And in most of the cases, the seller has been able to retain the earnest money that has been paid. Joel? Clark Judy says, when do you think grocery stores will have toilet tissues and cleaning products restocked? From what I've been reading, reading in uh, various logistics articles, is that mid-May is when supply and demand will equalize for a variety of consumer products like paper goods that have been in short supply. We just amazingly, uh, at Sam's Club, were able to order online and get limit one per customer paper towels because we were starting to run low on paper towels. And I've seen nothing but commercial-grade toilet paper at various sites. But the paper goods thing will open up, and it's only a matter of all these factories are running full tilt. People bought what's called forward purchasing so much in paper goods that you have a lot of people who have exhausted any desire or need to buy more. And that's why with these factories running around the clock, you're going to see the supply and demand equalize easily by about four weeks from now. By the way, I just looked while I'm talking. Sam's Club doesn't have those paper towels in stock anymore, so don't run to samsclub.com and think you're going to find them just because we found them a few days ago. It's time for today's Clark Rave. That's where... We look at one of the positive things going on in the world because when, the, when things are not going the way we like, it's the people who step forward and do something really positive that should be noted. And I want to tell you a story about Jennifer Knox. So she owns a bar called the Sandbar, which is located in southeast Georgia at a beach called Tybee Island. And there'd been a tradition at her restaurant restaurant bar that I saw a story about on CNN Travel that customers over the years would put a $1 bill on the wall and sign their name to it. It would just be stapled to the wall. And there's a picture of the restaurant before something fascinating that she did, showing all these dollars stapled to the wall. Well, she was so upset about all her employees not being able to work, struggling to pay bills, that she thought, hey, I'm going to pull down all these dollar bills that were $3,714 worth and gave them to her staff. Now, it became a news story in the area, and customers started contributing money, so she was able to give even more money to her staff. The town that her bar is in is a town of only 3,000 people, and they all pretty much know each other, and they step forward 
and they made a difference for these employees. And I want to tell you, there are so many touching stories like this all over the country where people just got creative to do whatever they could to do to help each other. And we're going to have to continue to do that because we get through coronavirus and the economic fallout together. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and learning how to stretch every dollar. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, are all over helping you stretch your dollars. And I want to tell you a little teeny auto insurer named American Family set off a wave that has been fantastic. They decided about 10 days ago, that they were going to refund people a portion of their auto insurance premiums because suddenly people weren't driving nearly as much, accident rates collapsed, injury rates fell, number of fatalities on the road declined significantly as people are sheltering in place in, what is it, 41, 42 states? So now... The big insurers, one by one, have been offering deals where they are giving you credits, and I want to hit you with what the big insurers are doing. There's a nice compilation of it that was put together by the folks at Fortune Magazine, and Allstate is giving back money for April and May right now, and it's about 15% of your monthly premium. They're going to automatically deposit into your bank account, or if you pay by credit card, give you a credit to your credit card. Farmers Insurance is cutting rates 25%. They've done so only for April so far, and they say it'll automatically be refunded. GEICO is giving you a 15% credit on your next full premium which will work out for the average Geico customer, 214 bucks back to you. Uh, Liberty Mutual is following the same system as Allstate, that April and May you're going to get 15% of your premium back. Same thing, credit to your uh, credit card or return to your bank account. If you don't do either of those, you'll get a check. They hope to have the money back to people in what they call just the next few weeks. Nationwide is giving people a flat $50 refund. And so you can see it's different from insurer to insurer. Progressive 20% reduction April and May. And they'll decide whether they're going to continue this after May. And they're going to either credit it to an outstanding bill or they'll refund the money to you. State Farm giving 25% back. See how different it is from company to company? And so the credit will show up on your June bill. USAA giving 20% credit for two months of premiums. That will also be effective on your next customer bill for auto insurance. Now, there are a couple other big insurers that have not done anything yet, but they'll almost certainly have to because of competitive pressure. And isn't it fun that a small regional 
auto insurer kicked this off and it became a thing and the big insurers one by one have one up to each other in various ways typically giving 15 20 or 25 percent back of your premium dollars because the savings that are being generated by us not being on the road are phenomenal and this thing where people are talking about instead of miles per gallon days per gallon because of how little driving a lot of people are doing is a big savings as well and i should mention there was a lot that happened over the weekend about oil markets and the opec cartel along with the russians and for the first time ever the united states uh, joined with the cartels to try to design a program to reduce the amount of oil being extracted around the world because there's a massive oversupply and soon this is the weirdest thing ever if they don't do it effectively oil prices will go below zero meaning that a producer bringing oil out of the ground will have to pay somebody to take it so instead of looking at the cost of a barrel of oil being $30 a barrel or 20 or whatever there was a brief period last week where oil in Texas dropped to $7 a barrel and looked like it might go negative where the product would have a less than useless value in the marketplace because of the oversupply means that when we do start driving again in significant numbers the benefit of the reduction in prices that we've seen at retail that don't yet reflect the impact of what's happened at wholesale that we're going to have a cost-saving dividend essentially as consumers for months to come and I forgot, Kim or Joel, who's next with a question that someone's posted at Clark.com slash ask? I am, and it's from Larry, and quite a few other people are curious about this as well. Larry says, when I receive my $1,200 stimulus check, do I have to deduct that as income from my California unemployment check? Believe it or not, no one on the planet seems to know the answer to this question. The $1,200 stimulus is not considered to be income, and does not have to be reported unless any of the 50 states have decided for their purposes they want it reported. I've seen nothing like that. So this is is called helicopter money for a reason. It's money to go into your pocket to help you with your expenses and any financial emergencies that you may have right now and to help get the economy going again. That's a big benefit of the helicopter money. Joel? Yeah, Clark. Deborah wrote in. She says, I have a dependent care spending account. I contribute $4,800 a year to that. But since the kids are home and even summer camps are in question right now, and it's a use it or lose it scenario, will there be a provision to carry this money over to next year? I've not seen such a thing yet with a provision for carryover, but there are provisions for you to reduce the amount in dependent care, which normally you could not do. So you can go to your employer and ask them to reduce the amount or discontinue taking any money from you for dependent care, which is normally totally not allowed, but it is under, I forget which of the three stimulus laws that was included in, but you have that ability to make a change in those what would normally be 
involuntary contributions once you set them to make them voluntary and shut them down for the year. Kim? Clark Raj says, due to COVID, colleges are shutting down and my son is at home taking classes online. His college refunded partial boarding and meals fees paid originally through his 529 plan. They deposited the amount into my son's checking account. I assume we could use the refunded amount towards fall tuition, but it seems as though that's not going to be possible. It's just going to be in the checking account. So I heard I need to redeposit it back into my 529 plan within 60 days to avoid a penalty. Do you know anything about this? Yes, that's exactly how the procedure works. So it's from the date that the refund is dated or if it was direct deposited, so if it's a check that's got a date on it, that money has to be redeposited into your 529 account within 60 days. If it was a direct deposit into an account, it has to be redeposited in the 529 within 60 days of that. Otherwise, it gets really, really ugly tax-wise. So no matter how tempting it might be to use that money for current expenses, don't do it redeposit in the 529 because the tax hit is so ugly for not redepositing you pay a 10 percent penalty and you pay ordinary income tax so it's a massive massive effect on the wallet that you don't want to have and that's why you redeposit and don't let the 60-day deadline slip up on you because you go a day past it well it's considered to be a triggered tax event. Joel? Clark Ann says, I know that RMDs are not required this year due to COVID-19. Is there a requirement, though, to catch up next year? Meaning, do I have to take two years worth of RMDs in 2021? You do not. This is a one-time holiday, if you will, from required minimum distributions. And so what will happen is the amount of money in your account next year will be larger than it originally would have been and the amount you'll have to take based on the tables that you'll have to take as an rmd next year will be a bit larger because there's more money there than would have been but there's no catch-up kind of thing where you're going to have to take two years at once for people who don't know what in the world we're talking about depending on when somebody retired what their age is at age 70 and a half or 72 every year of the remainder of your life you have to take a an irs mandated percent of the money you have out of any retirement account like a traditional ira doesn't apply to a roth 401k 403b plan anything like that the feds tell you what you must take out each year and if you don't do it you pay a 50% tax penalty on what you should have taken out. So the RMDs are really important. They be done right. And it's just next year's calculation will be based on a ratio of your remaining expected life. And it'll just be more money because there'll be more money there. Kim? Alex says, I have the Apple credit card. And they have a COVID-19 customer assistance program allowing us to skip our April payment without accruing interest. I'm wondering if my credit score is going to take a hit from this. On their website, they say 
credit bureaus will report your account as being enrolled in the customer assistance program. So that is a fantastic question that is completely subject to how each credit bureau takes that and reports it. If they report you as being under any kind of payment plan as a result of Apple reporting you that way, then that would reflect negatively on you. On the other hand, if a credit bureau takes that and they just look at it as, oh, this is just somebody who was given the right to skip a payment for a month, then it's not a problem. So it's unknown at this point how Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian will each report in the case of the Apple credit cards. Apple's credit card issuer could have made this simpler because a number of other credit card issuers are sending people notices that they can skip their current payment and that there's no consequence. They are putting on the statements zero dollars due. Now then it's up to each issuer if they're giving an interest holiday like Apple is doing. The reality is only take the interest holiday with that uncertainty out there if you really need it. If it's a holiday you don't need, make your payment as you normally would. Joel? Clark Rebecca says, I'm going to be a freshman in college next year, and I'm trying to be as financially responsible as possible. What should I expect going into college in the middle of a recession, and how can I prepare for it? So it's fantastic going into college as a freshman instead of coming out right now as a senior. Because as a freshman, you're going in while the economy is not good, but it will be just fine when you come out, almost certainly. And you just will go in with the right attitude. I hear it just in your question, being careful in what you spend. And if you've not already selected which college you're going to attend, pay close attention to who's offering you the best deal on your total college costs. And if you're amenable to it and you really want to drive down the cost of that college, think about doing your first two years at community college, which costs almost nothing. And that would be a way that you could save a ton. In more and more states now, there's automatic admission to state four-year colleges when you complete successfully two years at a state community college. The colleges, the states want to encourage people to do those first couple of years at community college, and that's why they're offering a direct path into junior year admission into a traditional four-year state college. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If you have a question for me, please post it at Clark.com slash ask. And producer Kim is asking a question for who right now? This is is who or whom? Who or whom? I am not sure. English is not my best. It's amazing. I got a job in broadcasting at all. Um, Roger and many other people want to know, Clark, please speak about tax filers that did file, but didn't include a checking account routing number because they didn't get a refund. So the IRS has no way to send you the $1,200 that we were talking about? Exactly. Like, they just, so many people want to know how am I going to get my stimulus sure. money? And there is a group of people that's like, I did everything right. I filed my taxes on time, but because I pay, they don't know my banking info. Right, exactly. And this is this is a uh, terrible problem for people because if you did not provide direct deposit information to the IRS, it's going to take potentially till the fall for you to receive your $1,200 in stimulus money. So the IRS says that they are working on a form that they're going to put up on irs.gov that is not there yet that will give you the ability to go ahead and um, put in your checking account information so they will be able to get you your stimulus check quicker. Interestingly enough, they now have done so for people who were not required to file a return in 2019 or 2018. So for non-filers, they've got it. But for those who have filed, that form is not yet posted. And as soon as the IRS posts it, we're going to let you know. Joel? Clark Rebecca says, my company has stopped contributing to my 401k since the coronavirus pandemic uh, started. So should I stop as well? My recommendation, if your job seems pretty secure, continue to contribute to your 401k. There's a long-term advantage to you during a time that the stock market has had a rough ride and may well have a rougher ride for a while ahead to continue to contribute because every dollar you put in you're essentially investing in your future and your retirement on sale so there's a strong advantage even with your employer backing out for you to continue to put money in your 401k the podcast normally would end here but because of the unusual circumstances we're in we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. Now, I want to tell you there's an area we've been having complaints about that we just hadn't gotten to yet as we deal with all the various forms of fallout from coronavirus. And we're hearing from person after person who's having trouble getting money back for canceled events where they bought tickets on StubHub or they bought tickets on Ticketmaster. And think about 
the situation where Ticketmaster has this near monopoly on the original sale of tickets for most venues, most arenas, most concerts, and so many, if not most, sports events. And they charge you that huge ripoff fee to buy tickets from them. And now Ticketmaster is flat out refusing to refund people's money. Now, listen to what they're claiming. This is unreal. They're claiming that events are postponed, not canceled. StubHub's having similar kind of things. StubHub, we had somebody complain who had bought tickets to a basketball game, NBA game that had been canceled. The NBA isn't playing, right? That canceled game is never postponed. It's never going to be rescheduled. It's gone. But they're not giving money back. So the lawsuits are coming. StubHub, as you're probably aware, if you're a StubHub customer, is saying they're giving you 120% credit towards a future event for the event they're not going to refund you money for. Ticketmaster even changed its written policy to say they're not giving money back. And this is unbelievable. Of course, there'll be the lawsuits, there'll be the actions by state's attorneys general that'll go after both of them. But the reality is Things should not work the way they work right now, particularly with the original sale of tickets with this Monopoly player Ticketmaster. And if nothing else, this draws such a clear spotlight. As you may have heard from me in the past, if the only way I can get a ticket to an event is through Ticketmaster, I don't go. It's my own one-person boycott of a system that I despise and a company that obviously doesn't care about its customers at all. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk now about you potentially ripping yourself off. There is a pattern when the stock market craters, like we had with the bear market we went into, that there are what in hindsight are clearly false rallies. What they call, um, I mean, you know, really it's something that you as an investor think the bottom has been hit and with that false bottom, you're in there buying. There are a number of reasons why right now if you are, that's being a market timer, that you've jumped back into the market because it's taken the big hit and you think, wow, I'm brilliant. Look at this. I jumped in and things have come back up 22%. I need for you to know that the prospects looking forward for the U.S. economy long term will be fine. In the intermediate term, it's going to be rough going. And companies are not going to report the profits 
in at least the next year that have been typical in the last several years. Ultimately, the value that you're paying for for stocks is based on what those profits are likely to be. And it is my belief that if you look at the prospects for the U.S. economy in the intermediate term, you're going to see that stocks cannot sustain the values that they have recovered to recently. Now, remember, I have changed nothing about my investing. I'm doing what I've always done. I'm well diversified. If you, as most people, only participate in the stock market through a 401k or Roth IRA or traditional IRA, you're putting money in each period. You're likely in a target retirement fund or a variety of funds. You own a lot of different companies. And so you are lowering your risk and you're a long-term player. But if you are putting money in, specifically with the idea being that, hey, I'm going to make a big score now because the market had tanked and we're up from here, the odds don't favor that. The odds are that we are going to have an additional correction or maybe even a significant decline from here. Ultimately, we'll have a really great recovery. If you are, though, an investor who is putting money in automatically, even if you're doing an investment account, you're dollar cost averaging, putting money in every month, you're not betting on any one particular company, and you're putting money in, you're going to be just fine because you're going to be buying shares moving forward that are going to be at lower prices, if I'm right, and then there will be ultimately a nice recovery to the economy. But I believe based on how much harm has been inflicted on the economy by coronavirus and how long it'll take to get things really amped back up, that it is going to be slow going for profits. And ultimately profits, remember, are what guides stock prices. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.